Good morning. Welcome to our annual Freak Press press conference. I'm Katie Crawley, Deputy Mayor for Public Works and Communication. We have staff here to outline parameters and details of this Saturday's event. The event runs from 7 p.m. until 1.30 a.m. All the details of the event are available at madfreakfest.com. And yes, tickets are still available. No home football game this year, so everyone will have more time to work on their costumes. It's been a number of years since the Halloween festivities in downtown Madison have resulted in property damage and violence, and that is due in large part to the involvement of Frank Productions, or FPC Live. They've worked with city staff to make this a family-friendly event with great entertainment, awesome costumes, and well-behaved revelers. Our thanks to them as well as to city staff, including Madison Police, Traffic Engineering, Streets, Engineering, Fire, and others. Planning for this event has been ongoing for close to a year. This event is also a partnership with merchants from the Central Business Improvement District, or BID. This morning, we're going to hear from Tom Moore from City Traffic Engineering, who will outline road closures and detours surrounding the event. Captain Jason Friedman from the Madison Police Department will talk about guidelines and rules that need to be followed to guarantee a safe event. Tag Evers with FPC Live will discuss the entertainment. And Sue Springman with the bid will talk about the partnership between downtown merchants and this event. Everyone will be available for questions afterwards, and thanks for coming and getting the word out. Tom? I'm Tom Moore with City Traffic Engineering. Uh, I'll just go over the schedule for the street closures. The main time, uh, first time for street closures is 5 p.m. That's when Johnson Street will close. That's the... Uh, the biggest closure, and then Dayton and Lake Street also close at 5 p.m. That's when city crews start setting up the gating on State Street. Uh, and then an hour later, 6 p.m., is when East Gorham Street closes. Uh, so at that time, all streets crossing State Street will be closed, 6 p.m. And then an hour after that, 7 p.m., is when you need a ticket to get to walk onto State Street. Um, this map here uh, was sent out in a press release and it's also on the city website uh, under news releases and on the traffic engineering page uh, it shows the alternate traffic routes to get around the closure the best way around would be to use John Nolan Drive but you can also get through on Langdon Street although Langdon Street usually does back up um, due to all the diverted traffic there is a 7 p.m. men's hockey game, and about 7,000 people are expected at that, so it's going to take a little extra time to get to the hockey game and then a little extra time to get out as all streets will be closed during that time. Uh, but we'll have police at key intersections to keep traffic moving, and we also uh, implement traffic signal timing changes uh, to tr keep traffic moving as best we can, but it's just going to take a little extra time. Um, so that's all I had, and now Captain Friedman will talk for police. Thanks, Tom. Good morning, everybody. I am Jason Friedman with the Central Police District. FreakFest is probably the most significant event that the Madison Police Department plans and prepares for every year. We don't do it alone. We work with our partners in the city. Uh, outside of the city in order to make this a safe event. We plan for a number of different contingencies, and we have an extremely robust uh, personnel footprint for the event in order to deal with the various issues that could impact safety and 
making the event a, a positive one. There'll be literally hundreds of police officers uh, from Madison, from Dane County, UW, some of our consortium partners, as well as a very significant uh, private security footprint, approximately 150 private security officers, all of whom are working together, who have planned and met and worked out uh, a number of different uh, uh, protocols in order to keep the event safe, uh, free from uh, significant uh, untoward events. It's important, though, in talking, getting into some of the rules and regulations, that one of the key critical components to make this a safe event is for the revelers, the people that are coming, to be good partners, good neighbors, good, good uh, attendees. And so some of the things that we're going to remind them, I'll remind uh, through this uh, mechanism as well as some others, is there's no glass allowed in the event. Uh, there's a glass ban in effect. Backpacks won't be allowed in uh, because, again, we're concerned with some of the potential concealments. All city ordinances are in effect and will be enforced. There is no cessation of laws or rules because of this event. And so we really want people to show up. We want them to have a good time, enjoy themselves, drink responsibly, be respectful and polite to police and security. They're there for your benefit. If there are issues, report it. But again, uh, be respectful of the businesses, be respectful of the, the, the concerts and the musicians, and be respectful of the personnel that are there to keep you safe. So if there are questions, I'm happy to address them. Uh, thank you. Tag Evers with FPC Live. I, I want to emphasize or, or repeat what was just shared, that the planning for Freak Fest goes on year-round. The planning with city staff, the police department, the fire department, traffic engineering, and with uh, FPC Live goes on. Uh, shortly after FreakFest, we do an analysis of, of what worked, what didn't work, what we can do better, and that goes into a series of meetings that take place throughout the year to make sure that the next FreakFest is even better than the last. I was just commenting um, with some folks here this morning that um, – College freshmen at UW-Madison were probably not even in grade school at the time when, when Halloween and Madison was a disaster. In the 12 years since, we've succeeded in turning the, quarter, turning the corner and rebranding what Halloween means now in Madison. It is now a fun and safe event for everyone. And by everyone, I mean that early in the evening, you'll see families with little ones show up for Freak Fest. Later on, you'll see older folks, perhaps, who are coming out during the, you know, at 8, 9, 10 o'clock with their funny costumes. And then later on, uh, you'll see a lot of high school students and college students showing up for our headliners. And while there's been talk already about FreakFest being a safe event, it's my privilege to talk about it being a fun event. Last year, we had uh, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame participant, George Clinton, and Parliament Funkadelic, and Trombone Shorty, who's played several times at the White House. This year, we're going for a little bit younger demographic, and we have um, a lots of, uh, of fun entertainment, really geared kind of at uh, high school and college students. On the Capitol stage, we have Mr. We Mr. Wives, Tank and the Bangas, Big Frida, Lex Allen, Gender Confetti, and DJ, DJ Boyfriend. This stage is our most diverse stage that I can recall in all the years that I've been programming for FreakFest. In the year of the woman, which 
many say we are since the Me Too movement of a year ago, this stage is all headlined by women. Uh, Mr. W Mr. Wives, the headliner, is fronted by a female. Tank and the Bangas, uh, an outfit out of New Orleans, is fronted by a female. Uh, same with Big Frida. We turn over to uh, the stage on Gilman. Uh, we have Quinn 92, Young Gravy. Um, young Gravy uh, uh, is a, a young guy, 22 years old, who last year uh, was a student at UW and then became discovered and is now touring nationwide. That stage is going to be a little bit more of a hip-hop and, and DJ kind of stage. Um, it should be a lot of fun, and it should be really appealing, I think, to college students and high school age students. And then our third stage is on State Street, featuring mainly local talent. Uh, Freak Fest is an event every year that local bands get to show their stuff. And uh, it's very exciting for them to be able to perform for the thousands that show up for Freak Fest. If you have any questions, I'm glad to speak with you afterwards and tell you more about how much fun Freak Fest is. Thank you. I'm Sue Springman, and I'm the chair of the Business Improvement District, and we're the area within which Freakfest occurs. And on behalf of all the businesses downtown, whether they're going to be open or not open, and there will be many open, many places you can stop and eat and relax, uh, we welcome everybody in this community of all ages to participate. This has been an event that required a lot of work of a lot of people in the city, in our organization, and and Frank Productions in particular. It is so much fun, and it is very safe, and everybody of all ages can have so much fun downtown. I, I just can't speak enough to it. It's one of our premier events, not necessarily for the retailers, but because we welcome everybody to our downtown, and everybody has made this a wonderful event. So please come and enjoy it. Does anybody have any questions for anyone? Please? Sure. Yes. Um, I'm wondering with Halloween being four days removed from Freak Fest, does the police have to have like an extra plan in, in case you know there's going to be you know, people making appearances like the old way of doing Freak Fest? So you're talking like on Halloween proper, which is midweek right. this year. So, I mean, it's something we always monitor. Historically, if Halloween proper follows on a like a weekend night, but not the official night of Freak Fest, say a Friday or Saturday, we'll have a more robust response. But historically, at least in the, the most the last few years, that hasn't been a significant issue, but it's something we'll we'll certainly monitor and if we need to provide some extra resources on the thirty first itself, we have some capacity to do that. But we don't have a large planned additional response than what our normal patrol operations would provide on that night. I don't know if anybody else has a question for the police, but my next one is... How much of the uh, authority presence has changed since the uh, years after the um, rioting on State Street and to today? I mean, I always remember seeing you guys, Dane County, uh, State Patrol, and many other agencies down there. Like, how has it changed? How has changed? So I, I think in terms of absolute numbers, it's been fairly consistent and fairly large. I mean, we have a lot of folks down there. Um, 
from a number of different agencies because we recognize that just in terms of resources, this event is so large uh, that we want to make sure we have sufficient staff, and so we do ask our partner agencies to assist. And so in terms of multi-agency response, in terms of the total numbers, I mean, there's been some ebb and flow over the years, but I think it's been very significant every year. Where I think as, as one of our core goals is continuous improvement as an agency, where I think we really work and we've, we've continued to improve is looking at the event, looking at things that are going on in the national uh, narrative, and planning for contingencies to deal with some of those potential, hopefully that, that don't happen, um, situations. So that starts with training our individual officers in their academy and in their in-services to meeting as commanders or team leaders for this event and talking about making sure we have our different uh, responses down. And so in terms of becoming more, I think, more nimble and more agile, I think we've, we've definitely had to over the years. But in terms of like the, just the, the very significant um, resource personnel presence down there, that's been uh, fairly consistent over the years. Uh, 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 no. Uh, in fact, I think, again, just because as we look at things that happen around the country and around the world, uh, you know, we, we certainly are become hyper-aware of, of potentialities. And if anything, uh, you know, we, I think we live in a, a more chaotic world in some ways, and so we have to, we have to prepare for that. And, and I, I think that would more relaxed is probably not the, the right, uh, the right uh, term for it. So. Hi, uh things going on around the country, but do you have examples for what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, if, if we just look at the, the, the news, uh, you know, when I started a, a number of years ago working this event, you know, uh, vehicular assaults, for example, weren't, that wasn't on our radar, and, uh, but uh, we look across the world and certainly across the country, whether it's an intentional act or somebody going through a medical crisis, that's, that's something that we've had to to look at and figure out ways to deal with, again, to keep the event safe um, as we move forward. Thank you. Tag, T-A-G, tag, Evers, tag. Um, so you were talking about how the, the, the headliners, the majority of these bands are fronted by women. Uh, in our on our capital stage, yes. Okay, so was that a coincidence? Was it planned? Was it somewhere in between? I guess I want to know where the genesis of all this kind of came from. You know, it's more uh, it's more uh, somewhat improvisational. Uh, when you when you go around a program and you see who's available and you get uh, the theme kind of builds itself. Um, if your question is, is it intentional for us to be diverse and inclusive when we're programming something like FreakFest? Absolutely. Um, are we limited somewhat by who's available and who we can afford to bring in? But I think it was a, I, I can safely say that we're doing our best, and I think this year we really nailed it in terms of having our most diverse lineup yet. Um, I do have a follow-up on that, actually. Um, so... I mean, it is fair, as somebody who does like going to concerts, it is fairly unusual to see that many women fronting um, any part of a concert, specifically uh, what is one of the 
highest profile stages of the three. Um, was there an intention to place uh, the women-led bands there? Uh, where we place, who we place, um, Mr. Wives actually, uh, uh, I believe, three years ago was the support act, the direct support act on that capital stage. They've grown and their profile has increased since then. And the decision was to bring them back headlining the same stage. So as the, as the lineup is coming together, we're trying to get a feel for who works well where. For example, the Gelman stage with a greater emphasis kind of on a college, uh, almost like a um, Langdon Street type of crowd, it's, the proximity makes sense. Um, but I think your question is, are, were we intention, in, intentionally trying to showcase that diversity on our, on our biggest stage? And the answer is yes. Remind me of the, uh, why the intentional shift toward um, college age and high school students? Uh, well, as I said last year, we, with Trombone Shorty and George Clinton and P-Funk, um, one of our kind of reviews of, of how we did last year is we felt that we appealed to a perhaps a demographic that was slightly older than our average attendee at, at Freakfest. So it's more to uh, prioritize that is older people. Like I said, Freakfest appeals to people of all different ages. But it, it's also fair to say that the bulk of our attendees would be uh, high school, juniors and seniors, and college freshmen and sophomores, that age group. And so from a programming standpoint, we are trying to more directly focus in on that demographic. And is there anything else uh, new that we can expect from this year? Um, I, well, I think the weather. Uh, <laughs> last year, as I recall, it was bitter cold. And I've, you know, I've been doing this for some time. And you know, you have to come out with your long johns and your mittens and your hat and gloves and your Carhartt coveralls and all that type of stuff when it gets down into the 20s. I think the load that we can expect, it's going to be during the day on Saturday around 50 degrees and it'll get down to 40, which for those who are out in costumes, perhaps without the benefit of long johns and all the other things I talked about, it's going to make a more, um, just a, a more comfortable, a more pleasurable evening, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I think we can look forward to good weather. We can look forward, as always, to a safe event. And we can look forward to a really fun time. As a 39-year-old, I've never heard of any of these bands that you mentioned. <laughs> well, that's because we're not targeting you this year. <laughs> you probably heard of George Clinton and Trombone Shorty. So, so do you feel that there's going to be a follow-up of the older crowd and more of a boost in the young crowd? Well, to answer that question, you have to recall the reasons why people go to FreakFest. We did a survey after last year, and we found that, um, you know, about half of our attendees are not coming for the music. You'll see people at FreakFest who are simply walking up and down State Street looking and showing off their costumes. And we're going to be having a costume contest at, our, uh, at the State Street stage, at the Francis stage. So it will be an opportunity for that creative person who spent weeks making their really cool costume to win some prizes. That's a big reason why uh, folks your age may be coming to Freak Fest and come every year. Not so much for the music, but because 
it's, uh, it's quite humorous to see the costumes that people come up with. Um, so anytime you're doing programming like this, people say, why aren't you bringing Jay-Z? Why aren't you bringing Chance the Rapper? Well, you know, we don't have a million dollars in the bank to do that, right? Um, we're bringing entertainment that we think hits the sweet spot of artists that put on a great show, that are affordable, that are reasonable, um, and that will engage with the audience in such a way that everybody will have a great time.